Hello and welcome to another edition of Deeper. It is so good to have you with us today. And today we start a new series. Sunday, uh, we start a sermon series uh, looking at the fruit of the Spirit. And I would encourage you to, to watch that service. Uh, Mark Millington preached. He gave an introduction to the whole series. Uh, and there he talked about the what it means for, for fruit to grow within us. And I would encourage you to watch that talk. It's a really good talk. And so today we're looking at the passage that he used, which is Galatians 5, verses 13 to 26. And I would love you to read that passage. So do please press pause, read Galatians 5, 13 to 26. In fact, I'd read it more than once if I was you, uh, and then restart the video. Fantastic. So what do we have here? Well, uh, within the whole book of Galatians, uh, there's a number of things going on. Uh, Paul is speaking to the Galatians about firstly the factions that are going on within them anyone who's read the book will know right at the beginning he challenges some of that but he, he talks here about how uh, in, in the whole book that we are set free set free from what set free from the power of sin and from uh, the burden of the law and within all of that we have the responsibility to love one another and that kind of all comes out in different ways within the book. And uh, I want to look at this passage in little sections uh, because there's a lot in this passage, isn't there? If you've read it, you'll know there's a lot in it. Um, and I, I haven't got a lot of time, so we're going to shoot through quite quickly. But let's look at uh, the first section, verses 13 to 15. And this, in some ways, is a little summary of, of most of what he said in the book of Galatians. At the beginning of chapter 5, uh, Paul says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm. Stand firm in that freedom. And, and what he's saying there is that you know, Christ has set you free. Free from sin, free from the burden of the law. And in fact, he says, Christ has set you free for freedom. In fact, freedom is the very essence of what it means to be a Christian that we are no longer bound by the things that others were bound by. We are no longer bound by the things that constrained us previously. And we need to learn how to grow more and more into that freedom. And it is the very essence of what it means to be a Christian that we are free. Paul here is, is kind of conscious of some of the factions within uh, the Galatian church. One of those factions was really pushing for people to, to follow the law completely, as if almost they were Jews. And the reason, reason for that is that they were afraid that if people understood that they were free, that they were no longer bound by the law, that they would start to live their life in a sinful way. Uh, and Paul points out here, look, no, freedom means you now have a choice. Previously, you didn't have a choice. You were a sinful person. Now you can choose to either use your freedom to go after the desires of your sinful nature or you can use your freedom to love others. And that's the choice that we have. And it's the freedom that we have to, to serve God completely and the freedom to serve other people. And uh, I just love the words that he uses here. If you look in the, uh, the first verse we're looking at. Uh, he says, do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Serve in love. And uh, I love that idea that, you know, it's all about 
Our freedom means that we choose to serve other people and to serve God. And we do it out of an abundance of love that God has placed within us. See, the freedom that we have means that we are no longer bound by the things that used to bind people. The law meant that, I mean, no one could follow the law. The law was detailed and it's intricate and it set high standards quite rightly because if you were to be a holy people of God you had high standards to attain and but no one could do it no one could do it because they were bound by their sinful nature but now we've been set free from that makes it possible that we can live a life free from the sin that so easily entangles us what was no longer achievable is now achievable because we've been set free. And as we'll see in a moment, we also have the Spirit of God to help us. And when Paul says here that uh, the entire law, I mean, it depends on what uh, version you're reading here in the, the, the NIV that I've got, uh, says the entire law is summed up in a single command. Uh, that's probably not a great translation of the word. It's more the entire law is fulfilled. In other words, the entire law is is made complete. It is made perfect by this one thing. Love your neighbour as yourself. And uh, Paul's pointing people to the fact that, look, it's not about the law. It's about love. When you truly love people, you will naturally do all the things that the law requires. Naturally, because... It comes out of a place of love. And then uh, at the end of this little section, Paul says, if you keep on biting and devouring one another, uh, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. And those two, two words at the beginning of that verse, biting and devouring, are actually words that are often used in, in the Greek uh, to describe wild animals and their actions. And there's, there's something maybe of a little picture of how the Galatian church were with one another. They were devouring and biting each other. They were arguing over all the minutiae of all the detailed doctrine that they were um, in conflict over. And, and yet they weren't loving one another. It is okay to disagree, but you can disagree in love. And he's saying here, look, whatever it is you are fighting about, remember you are free, but you are free primarily to love not to simply be right uh, because trying to be right over others usually means that someone uh, is, is destroyed let's look at the second section 16 to 18 and uh, here uh, Paul moves into something slightly different see for freedom to be used well if we are to learn how to love others it requires us to be filled and to walk in the Holy Spirit. And what does he mean by to walk in the Spirit? I think it means, to, firstly, to be filled. Uh, it also means to be sensitive to the influence of the Holy Spirit and to choose to shape your life around that influence. To walk means to constantly go through life with the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit within us. And if you are doing that, then you will be transformed internally and that will lead to an external change in your behaviour. In other words, we won't satisfy, as Paul says in some versions that, of uh, our Bible, that you won't satisfy the desires of the flesh. 
And when he talks about flesh, both here and in other um, uh, letters, he's there talking about the sinful nature, the kind of the, the sinful essence of who we are. And those desires of flesh he describes in verse 19. We'll get onto them in a minute. And uh, in verse 17, he talks about how the flesh, the sinful nature, is in constant tension and constant conflict with the, the Holy Spirit who is within us. And I guess we've all experienced that, haven't we? And um, I'd encourage you at this point, or certainly some point, to read Romans 7 and 8, because there Paul expounds on this whole idea. This, uh, he talks about there, you know, how he, and he's probably here talking about his pre-Christian self, wanted to do the right thing, but always did the wrong thing. And even when he was choosing not to do the, the uh, right thing, he was ended up do, getting himself into a mess. You know, those things I want to do, I don't do, he says. And those things I do do are the very things I don't want to do. The, the tension within us is to always move towards sin. But then in uh, verse 8, he talks about life in the spirit and there how we are set free to live a new kind of life. But we are constantly growing in this, aren't we? We are constantly learning what it means to, to walk in the spirit and to live in freedom. And there's this constant tension that we have within us. The antidote to the flesh is not found in the law, Paul says here. It is in the spirit of God. The Spirit of God at work in us. See, if we focus on the law, we are focusing on our behaviour, our external things that we do. But the Holy Spirit is at work within us internally. And it's the internal changes that allow us to, to change externally. And then verses 19 to 21. Paul here gives some examples of what of the sinful nature, the works of the sinful nature. And uh, let me just kind of put them into little categories. Firstly, there are those things that are that kind of primarily to do with, with sexuality. So uh, here he talks about uh, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Uh, and quite often that's what the church focuses on these days, isn't it? Those kind of sins. Uh, and then he goes on to uh, sins, sorry, are the works of the sinful nature that are more satanic in nature. Uh, so that is idolatry and witchcraft. And it gets into those things which are more about our relationships. So he talks here about hatred and discourse and jealousy and fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions and factions. They're all relational. Uh, and for the most part, for many people, those are the things that we all struggle with. We might want to focus in the church on the whole sexuality thing. Uh, and certainly we uh, want to be against the things that are satanic, obviously. But the things we mostly struggle with are those relational things. Jealousy, selfish ambition, fits of rage. And let me just uh, pick up on a couple right at the end there. Uh, dissension. Um, the, the Greek word is, is about kind of just a sense of disunion and disconnectedness. Uh, it's it's kind of divisions, but not those necessarily big divisions. It could be simple little things, and those are the things that plague most churches and most Christians. They want to set themselves apart from others who they slightly disagree with or who aren't like them in some way. 
And Paul puts that in the same bracket as the whole sexual thing and the satanic thing. Factions, the Greek word there, uh, is where we get the word heresy from. Now, but don't think that here he is talking about heresies. That was a later development of the word. Here he's talking about simply following your own opinion. Wow. <laughs> instead of following the word of God, instead of working in community to understand the work of God, that you simply follow your own opinion and go your own way. That is thrown in here. And because if we all went our own way and followed our own opinion, there would never be a church, would there? They just wouldn't. We'd all want church to be our way. And of course, that's not how it works. So Paul puts in that the works of the sinful nature are those things. And then he talks about things that are to do with kind of more around society, like drunkenness and orgies. And then he throws in, and the like. In other words, this is not an exhaustive list, guys. There's so much more to the sinful nature. And there is, isn't it? We know that. Verse 21, he says, uh, I warn you, as I did before. If you look at Paul's letters, you can Im imagine this is perhaps also how he taught in person. Uh, most of his letters contain theology and then the outworking of that theology. Uh, and you may notice that when we do deeper, that's the kind of thing that we do as well. We look at the scripture and then we think of the outworking of it. You can't have one without the other. Um, and so Paul says, I warn you as I did before. In other words, he's done this before. Now he's getting into the detail of it and he needs to emphasize again, this is how you should live. Um, and he says, those who live like this, and then he's talking about people who've chosen to make these things their life, their lifestyle. He's not talking about the person who's lived a, a, a beautiful life and has one fit of rage, and that's it. And, you know, they're not, he's not talking about those kind of people. He's talking about those who choose to live like this, choose to live their own way, following their sinful nature. They are choosing, in essence, to not live by the Spirit of God, to not walk with the spirit and then in verses 22 to 26 we get onto the passage that this whole sermon series is about he gets onto the fruit of the spirit and i want you to notice straight away the 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 change in and phrasing here he talks about the works of the sinful nature but then the fruit of the spirit the works, those things that are simply the natural outworking of a sinful internal desire. The fruit of the Spirit is something that needs to grow and flourish within us. The works of the sinful nature are destructive. The fruit of the Spirit is nourishing. There's a difference in the wording here that emphasises something way more positive about how the Holy Spirit works in us and makes a different kind of contribution to, to the life of the church, the life of the world, to the life of others. Um, and Mark, in his uh, talk on Sunday, talks about how it is, how the, we, we get the fruit grows within us as we abide in Christ. And you could almost translate abiding in Christ and walking in the Spirit as, as the same kind of thing. And I'm not going to go here through each of the fruits of the Spirit because that's what we're doing over the next nine weeks. So it would be pointless. Um, but just to kind of say one thing, 
uh, the fruit of the spirit starts with love. Uh, and some commentators would say, actually, there are the fruits. Of, there aren't nine fruits of the spirit. There's simply one fruit, and that's love. And then what Paul does with the other eight is their description of what love looks like. And, and that's a kind of valid way of looking at it. We are simply looking at them as nine fruit. And I think that's an easier way of understanding what Paul says. Uh, but they are all, uh, all those eight are deeply connected to that first one, love. And then in verse 24, Paul says this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. And that word crucified takes us back to what Jesus has done for us, hasn't it? It, it reminds us that this is not about what, necessarily what we do on our own. Jesus has done it. Jesus has done it. But he does it also with us because there's, there's a, a connection here with the things that Paul says in, in Romans uh, 6, 6 and Galatians 2, 20, where there it's very much on the, uh, an emphasis on what God has done. He has made us a new creation. He has crucified the old nature. But here, it's different, isn't it? Those who belong to Christ, they're the ones who have crucified the sinful nature. See, there's always a partnership here between what the Spirit of God does within us and what we also choose to do. So in, in the, the previous verses in Romans 6, 6 and Galatians 2, 20, which I'd encourage you to read, uh, those are about the outworking of what Christ has done in us. This verse is about what we are choosing to do, how we are choosing to live. And it's, it's all about Christ. Christ has given us that opportunity. He has made us free through his death on the cross. His death on the cross brought about the coming of the Holy Spirit within us. And now we can choose to live a different kind of life. Martin Luther said this, to resist the flesh is to nail it to the cross. Although the flesh is still alive, it cannot very well act upon its desires because it is bound and nailed to the cross. And I think that sums it up, doesn't it? For, for all of us who are Christians, we know we still have that internal struggle. There are things that we want to do that we know God wants us to do, and we struggle to do them, and we want to live a great life, but still end up moving into sinful behaviour. Uh, we're still in that struggle. Our sinful nature is on the cross. It has been crucified, but still alive and still still trying to make a, a little bit of an influence upon us. And the key to keeping it nailed on the cross is by, as Paul says here, keeping in step with the Spirit. He says, live by the Spirit and keep in step with the Spirit. That is the key to us keeping our sinful nature nailed to the cross. And then finally, verse 26, almost put like Paul shoots off in a slightly different direction. And here he's coming back to relationships again, relationships within the church. He says, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. It's a kind of plea again for unity. And uh, it's not about the unity of people having different um, different ideas and different opinions. Uh, this is about, he says, don't become conceited. In other words, if you are living by the Spirit and walking by the Spirit and living a, a, a truly godly life, don't get arrogant with it. Don't use what you are doing to then provoke in others either envy uh, or 
um, uh, kind of conflict. So there's this kind of push, isn't it, for Paul to say, you know, you might be living life well, continue to do that humbly. Don't do it with arrogance. And we all know people, don't we, who, who, who are living a great life, but then become self-righteous about it and can quite easily put other people down. That is not the kind of life that walking by the Spirit should produce. It's the very, <laughs> it's, it's almost like the, the way they are living suddenly becomes their weak point because they are prone to an arrogant attitude. And we should never be like that. We should always live humbly. So let's think about some uh, ways in which this needs to be lived out in our lives today by going a little bit wider. So uh, the first point I just want to make is this. Uh, let's keep on growing in the freedom that we have in Christ. You know, we all have areas of our lives where we're still struggling, where we're still, the kind of the sins that we still struggle with. And it could be something really simple, something almost, almost innocuous. There is no sin that is innocuous, is there? But we, we like, what we like to do as people is to categorize sin. Yeah, there's some that are serious sins and some that are less serious. Um, what we see, what Paul says here, is he just classifies them as all the same thing. We like to justify ourselves a little bit. Oh, it's not a major one. It's not like, you know, sexual immorality or debauchery. It's not like orgies, is it? It's only a little bit of selfish ambition. It's only a little bit of dissension. And yet Paul throws them all into the same pot. And we've been set free from all of those things. But the freedom that we have is something that we continually need to grow in. And I would encourage you to, to not give up. It might be that you are simply relying on Christ to do it in you. But the one thing that we've said uh, and will continue to say in this series is it's also what we choose to do. And that's the, the kind of the, the second um, point I want to make is that we have the power to choose. We can choose to live by the sinful nature or we can choose to walk in the spirit. That's the, that's the tension that Paul brings out and we can choose to go either way. And every single day, every single moment even, you have that choice to make. And if you want to live in freedom, you should always choose to live by the spirit of God, to walk in the spirit. Never be... Never be deluded in thinking that, oh, it's only a little thing I'm doing. It doesn't matter. That little thing can easily grow and become all-consuming in you. I encourage you, do not, do not give up on seeking to live a holy life. And I, but within that, I also want to encourage you to recognise that we all have that constant tension. You know, sometimes people feel incredibly guilty about even, you know, whatever it is they're struggling with. And they feel like they're on their own with that. You are not. Every single one of us, every single one of us struggle with certain things. We are constantly living in that tension between walking in the spirit and gratifying the desires of the sinful nature. And so I would encourage you, do not 
feel like you're on your own with this. And if you're in a missional community, uh, you will need to just be honest with that. Own up to that. Yeah, I do struggle with things. You don't have to name it, um, but just own up to the struggle that we're all in. And let's pray for one another with that. And let's also recognise within this passage, there is Paul constantly, as he is throughout the whole of the book of Galatians, encouraging the church to, to unity and better relationships within themselves. You know, he, he talks about the beginning of that passage, you know, about them fighting and devouring one another. He talks about in a list of the works of a sinful nature, about dissensions and envy and jealousy and factions. And then at the end, he talks, doesn't he, about, you know, don't be conceited and don't provoke others. There is this constant stream of thought in the book of Galatians, which is encouraging the church to unity. And we all have a role to play in that. If you are choosing to be disconnected from God, sorry, from the church, then you are simply moving into the works of the sinful nature because the works of the Holy Spirit is always about bringing us together and not driving us apart. So they're just some things to, uh, to reflect on. But let me give you some questions to consider, either on your own or in your mission communities. And let's go a little bit further. So I have uh, three questions for you. Uh, one is quite a long one, so that's why there's only three. Uh, the first question is this. Uh, how would you describe the freedom that Jesus gives us? Just try and describe that, what that means for you, what it might mean, what you've kind of gleaned from Scripture about it. Uh, secondly, uh, and again, this, this is one a longer one, it's not the long one. Uh, look at the different ways Paul describes our relationship to the Holy Spirit. He uses different phrases. He says, walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, let the, uh, you know, have the fruit of the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. There's different ways in which he describes that relationship. What do you think he means by each of those phrases? Just kind of expound on that. What does each of those phrases mean in terms of our relationship with the Holy Spirit? And then we're going to look at, in our third question, uh, the fruit of the Spirit, which is what we are considering over the next nine weeks now. Look at each of the different fruits and describe what they could each look like in your life. In other words, you know, describe patience. What, what could that look like in your life right now? Is it an area that you need to grow in? Is it something that you've got nailed? Are you an incredibly patient person? Uh, I sometimes think I am, and then something crops up and I realize I'm not. Uh, how about faithfulness? Are you truly faithful to God and to other people? We might be faithful to God. It's the other people thing that I think we all struggle with. How does faithfulness look like in your life? Where do you need to grow in that? Go through each of them very quickly and just try and describe what each of them could look like in your life. So that's uh, the end of this edition of Deeper. It's so good to have you with us today. Uh, and join us on Sunday. Uh, I'm preaching on Sunday. At, we're looking at love, the first of the fruit. And uh, then do please join us again next Tuesday for another edition of Deeper. Until then, stay safe. Goodbye. <laughs>